Amen. Good morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Wasn't the worship awesome again today? We bless the praise team, musicians, all of them. It's awesome, awesome job. Praise God. Today we're going to be talking about the title and it's just God sees the light. He sees the light. And uh, you'll understand that as we get into the book of Genesis. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Let's just start at the beginning. How about that? You know, most of my ministry is really boiling it down is to help people to be delivered from most of us have have a distorted view of God. And that's one that's been profoundly influenced by religion, uh, by the things in our culture. Uh, we've gotten far, far away from a lot of our uh, Jewish roots, and we've missed a lot of revelation by that. And then just the, the, uh, the things that have happened to us in our lives. And if we're not careful, those things will shape our view of God. And the view of God that you carry is really the most important revelation that you carry because everything that you do in your life goes through that grid. Uh, the decisions you make, what you believe about yourself, about others, um, all those things are affected by how you view the Father. And uh, so when I say God sees the light, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, I'll just tell you, and we'll, we'll see it in the verse in a minute. I want to make some more comments about it. But we all know the verse that says, you know, God said, let there be light, and light was. And then it said, God saw the light, and the light was good. So, you know, our heart is to see like God sees, because God doesn't see like we see. We are uh, surrounded by negative things everywhere you look, everywhere you go. And... Uh, but God sees the good, and that's what God speaks to. God speaks to the light. And if we're going to see like God sees, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to, to agree with God, and we're going to have to see what God sees. Amen? So let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Father, we thank you for the Word. We thank you for Jesus, who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we thank you for the manifestation of that word in a bodily form when Jesus came. We thank you, God, that we're able to see how you are through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the revelation, Lord God, that he brings of your heart. I pray today that we would see you, Lord God, as you, as you truly are, as you really are, and not how religion has painted you to be. Let us see the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, the God, Lord God, that have saved us, delivered us, and set us free. We ask that, pray that, and declare that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, turn around and shake somebody's hand. Tell them how good they're looking the day before they sit down. Tell them they are looking pretty. Amen. I hope... Uh, We'll just go through this and put the verses up. And I, I just feel a little bit different today. I don't feel like this is maybe so much a teaching. It's maybe just more of a prophetic uh, exhortation to you or to someone uh, here or, or that's listening to this today. And uh, we appreciate those on Facebook that watch us. And, and uh, however you get the message, we just thank God for that. Uh, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And I love how the Bible never attempts to prove God's existence. Uh, it just simply begins with the reality of his existence. I actually put out a little article yesterday on our website. hope you uh, checked it out if you hadn't do it at uh, DaleYoung.net, uh, D-E-L-L. My name's not Dale, it's Dale. Uh, but on God's existence in a way that you can kind of help answer that question because you get asked that. Well, how do you know God exists? You've never seen him. How do you know, uh, that, that, you know that God even exists? Well, one of the proofs that you can kind of keep in mind, a little acronym is CADO, C-A-D-O. And what that stands for is an acronym for Creation, Artist, Design, and Order. And so that way you'll always have an answer to give these people. Because when you see creation, I mean, every time you see something, uh, an engine, an automobile, uh, a motorcycle, or anything like that, one thing that you know without anybody telling you is that there's a creator behind that. It just didn't appear. Um, when you see an art, a painting, a sculpture, without anybody telling you, when you see that piece of art, you know there's an artist, right? And when you see design, uh, every time you see a, a, a wristwatch, the, the details, the precision of that, you know that there was a designer behind that. It just didn't happen. Uh, to believe in what they call, you know, all this stuff, evolution and stuff like that is, to, you know, I, I was telling my wife yesterday, I, I said, it's like me taking a firecracker and putting it in our, our box of wooden toothpicks and setting it off. And then when it blows up and explodes, now we've got a little wooden house with working windows and doors. I mean, that's not going to happen. There, there's someone behind that. And, and, and then when you see order, if you came up here and you saw, you know, 10 Coke cans lined up in a row, you would know somebody did that. Somebody put those in order. They just didn't fall into that kind of position. And you go, well, that's pretty simple. Well, not to a lot of people, not to the atheist. And they'll, they'll claim, you know, reality of anything else. When they see a painting, when they see a, a machine or, or, you know, all these things, they'll, they will acknowledge there's someone behind that. It just didn't happen. But when it comes to God, they'll say, you know, all this just happened to be. It just was, you know, the big bang. And there was a big bang. And that's, a, that's something that they've proven, you know, that, it, that, that the universe had a starting date. But uh, it confused a lot of people. We know because time hadn't always been. That was the beginning of time, and the, you know, and it, and it has a beginning point. Well, when did it begin? When God said, "Let there be light." That's when it began. That's when that release came. And so, when you look around at the universe, uh, what do you see? You see art. Uh, you see creation, design, order. You see every bit of that, and you know behind that there is a God. That is that is our God, and and uh, and so I just love how the Bible just begins with that. In the beginning, God created, and it's just like there it is. And we're not trying to prove it. <laughs> I mean, in fact, the book of Romans says that all the attributes of God have been clearly seen through the things that he has made. So that's why we talk about those things, because God says that that way uh, there's no man on this planet that has an excuse of not believing in him. Because you can see me, God was saying, through everything that I've created. When you see things that, that God's made and and you, you know that there's a creator, a designer, and, 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 a, and a God behind that. Verse 2 says the earth was without form and void. One translation said it was chaotic, it was empty. It means the same thing in Hebrew. And so it was without form, it was void, it was empty, it was chaotic, and darkness was over the face of the deep. 
And the Spirit of God, notice this, was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, this may be really simple, but I really feel like somebody needs to hear this. Listen, I don't care what's going on in your world, in your life. I mean, how chaotic and dark it might be. Listen to me. The Spirit of God is hovering over that situation right now. The Spirit of God is always there hovering. You say, well, why is the Holy Spirit, why is he hovering over my situation? Because he's waiting only for you to come into agreement with God. Now, somebody says you need to say something like God said. Now, in other words, when God saw darkness and emptiness and chaos, then God didn't, you know, I mean, anybody can see that, but God said the opposite of what he was seeing. And the, the next verse said, then God said. Now, in other words, he sees chaos he sees confusion. He sees emptiness. He sees darkness. It can be addiction. It can be bondage. It can be whatever, you, whatever your situation is. But when, when God saw that, then God spoke something. Now, what we do in this world, we name something after it gets here for the most part. You know, words, you know I mean, in other words, you, you don't name a kid before you have the kid. I mean, you may have a name in mind, but I'm saying we, we, you know, we, we name things after the fact. God does it opposite. God calls things into being and then that we're not. God names them before they appear. And so God said, let there be light. And, and notice, and, and, and there was light. Why was there light? Because God spoke that. The creative power of God, God spoke that. And then, it, you know, when we talk about agreement with God, see, I'm saying when, when you've got this stuff going on in your life, my wife was telling me this week about somebody and, and, you know, that she's dealt with in business, and she just said, this, you know, this person's so negative. It's just negative. She said, no matter what I say, uh, you know, this person comes back with something negative. And it's just, I mean, that's a terrible way to live your life. Just everything's negative. You know, if you say, here's $5, well, I wish I needed 10 I mean, whatever, it don't matter what it is, you know, just negative. But God's not like that, and so God's not going to deal with you in regard to that. Now, when I talk about agreeing with God, you know what the word agreement is in the Bible? is confession. Now, listen to me. This is where the church, the church needs a new dictionary on, on words that is used for years. The church thinks, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I've talked about it so much, and maybe you get tired of hearing it. I don't necessarily get tired of saying it, but it's a shame that we have to talk about it. Because we don't know what the biblical definition, we know what the church definition or the religious definition of these words, but we don't know what the Bible definition. For example, the word repentance. Now, what does the word repent mean? Grace point. Think differently. It is the Greek word metanoia. And so when Jesus said repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand, when John the Baptist preached repentance, he was not preaching get on your face, cry, use up the tissues, and, and tell God what a sorry person you are. That's not Repentance. That's just saying you're sorry for what you've done. I'm not saying you should be sorry. You know, or let me say it like this. I'm not saying you should not be sorrowful for doing things that are wrong, right? But the Bible in the New Testament talks about godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. There's two different kinds. Worldly sorrow is you just sorry you got caught. Godly sorrow, it breaks your heart because you hurt a person and his name's Jesus. And, and, and then you repent. What, what does repent mean? Think differently. Now, we repent here every Sunday. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean what I used to think it, it means. It means to think differently. So when God's telling you all through, when you read the New Testament now and you see the word repent, always remember that God's just telling you to think differently. Think differently about what? Everything. First off, think differently about him. 
And, then, and if you'll think differently about him, I'm not saying make up a, a, you know, a God in your image, but think, think like God says that he is. The, the God that we sung about, that God is good, that God. Not, not the God that you think is running around with a baseball bat ready to bash in your head or because all the problems that you're paying for your sin because you've never could pay for your sin. First off, the sins are all paid for before you got here because Jesus paid for them. And if he didn't pay for yours, then we're waiting on him to come back to pay for yours. But he's already paid for them. And he's not going to get on the cross again for you. And he's not going to shed his blood tomorrow for you. So, and the only way that God forgives sin is not because you cry and talk to him about it. What causes God to forgive of sin? You said, me confessing sin. See, you, you've been taught wrong. There's only one verse in the entire New Testament that even alludes to the fact that your forgiveness is tied to your confession, and that's a, that's a misappropriation of a verse. 1 John 1 and 9. Not going there. It's not in the notes. Probably should have stayed off of it. But you can't talk about forgiveness without mentioning that because that's their one proof verse. They got one verse. I got 20 verses that tell you that you're already forgiven past tense. That's what Paul preached. But there's one verse where 1 John says, confess your, if, you're faith, you know, if, you're, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from how much? All what? Unrighteousness. See, when you get born again, you become righteous. And, and not because you do anything righteous. You become righteous because God gifts you the gift of righteousness. And that's what the Bible says. Anybody know that's in the Bible? Say amen. That, that's the word of God. So you're gifted that. So he can't be talking about saved people there. Because he said that if you, if you confess your sin, he will cleanse. The Bible never calls a saved person unrighteous. Everything in the Bible is written for the righteous. If you're not righteous, it ain't for you. So the prayers of a righteous man does what? They accomplish much. Why? Because that's the best guy in the church and he keeps the rules? No, because God gifted him his righteousness. Is this making any sense to... Uh, <laughs> back to the notes. <clears throat> so repentance doesn't mean what we think it means. The reason God forgives people is because there was bloodshed. And when Jesus said he took away the sin of the world, he didn't lie. When Jesus said he's finished, he didn't lie. When John the Baptist at baptism of Jesus pointed said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, he didn't lie. He took, he took it away. So while I'm at this juncture, why don't I just tell you this? God's not going to deal with your sin. Now, does this mean that God doesn't care if you sin? Absolutely. He doesn't want you to. Okay, but God's not going to deal with your sin because He's already dealt with it. He's not listen. He's not going to talk to you about it. Now you can talk to Him about anything you want to, but God's not going to make sin the focus here. He's not. He's not going to do it. So let's just say that you're having a lot of trouble with fear. I don't care what the fear is based on, but you just got fear going on. And so you tell God how fearful you are and you want to talk to him about fear. God's not going to talk to you about fear. Because fear was part of the curse. Fear has torment. Anybody, any verses coming to mind here? Fear has torment. Fear is not of God. So Jesus took all that away on the cross. So if you're struggling with fear, God's not going to spend an hour talking to you about fear. See, let me tell you what we got. We got people that want to call people out on their sin. 
But what we should be is people that, that, that call people up to their destiny. Now, this, if you're going to see like God sees, you've got to see the good. And there's good in everybody because there's God in everybody. Because they're created in his image and likeness. They may be in a fallen condition. They may not believe what God created them for. But you've got to speak to that. Whatever you speak to will rise up in a person. So when God comes in and finds a guy named Gideon hiding out terrified in a cave, in a wine press. In other words, there's all kind of prophetic in this. In other words, he's trying to get wine out of a thing you make bread with. You can't get wine out of bread, and you can't get bread out of wine. You understand what I'm saying? But, you, but when God sees him, he walks in, the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus himself, he says, hey, you know, you mighty man of valor, you brave man, you. And Gideon don't even know, he's like, did somebody else sneak in here? Now, why would God talk to him like that? Why would God deal with him like that? Why would God look at a guy that's scared terrified and hiding and say you're a brave man you're a courageous you are a mighty man is God flattering him is God trying to use reverse psychology on him you act like you don't know this is how God sees this is going to get very confusing for you if you don't if we don't start lining up our vision with God's and see like God sees so what does God do God has got to know, God knows he's afraid. It's not like God doesn't know it. Just like here, God sees the darkness, but God's going to speak something different than give you a news report on the darkness. Don't you already know it's dark? Do you need somebody to tell you it's dark? What you need is somebody to stand there and tell you and speak life, speak light, speak to the good. So God knows that if I if he speak his destiny. Because he's destined to be a mighty man of valor. He's destined to, and so God speaks to that so he'll rise up. Guess what happens when he rises up into his destiny? He leaves behind that fear. So, okay, so back to this. Okay, you're having a real struggle with fear in your life. God's not going to talk to you about it. And you can waste a lot of time. And you can actually get mad at God because you think God's not talking back to you. God's just not going to get down in there and wallow with you in something he already took away from you. God's wanting you actually to believe the Bible that he took it away. So this is what God's going to do. God's going to, God's going to speak. Listen, God's not trying to talk you out of anything. God's trying to talk you into something. If you're not born again, he's trying to talk you into someone whose name is Jesus. Because if any man is in Christ, that man's a new creation. He's not going to be one day. He is instantly. He's born again. Now, he doesn't manifest everything that God has, but in his spirit, he's, he's, he's pound for pound, molecule for molecule, just like Jesus. And the Bible says that in 1 John chapter 4, as he is Christ right now, John says, so are we in this world. What's he talking about? We, we are joined with Christ. The Bible said any man that's been born again, we are one spirit with the Lord. We have been joined to the Lord. You have been gifted with righteousness. You have been gifted with holiness. Holiness is not a denomination. It's not the way you dress. You know? And if we knew all this stuff, we would just live totally differently. And sin wouldn't have near the, 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 the hold on us that it would have. So it's just a totally different way of viewing. It's actually called a New Testament way of viewing life. But it can be real confusing. Because if you go over and read some words that are in red... Jesus said, unless you forgive your brother who has sinned against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. 
How many besides me know that's in the Bible? And you can just beat somebody up with that verse. And Jesus said it. And when he said it, he meant it to the people he said it to. But the New Testament does not begin in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. That's not when the New Testament started. The New Testament, which is a new covenant or the last will and testament of Jesus, does not begin until his resurrection. So when the Bible says, Paul said, I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that not needs to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do you rightly divide the Bible? Just because they stuck a little single page that says New Testament, that's not when it began. You need to tear that one out, flip over to the resurrection, stick it in there. That's when the New Testament starts. Because Jesus was born under the law, Galatians says, to redeem those under the law. So Jesus preached the law. So before the cross, absolutely. You don't forgive, you don't get forgiven. But after the cross, Paul preached a different message. He said, forgive. He encourages people to forgive people that's hurt them. He says, even as Christ has, past tense, forgiven you. So Paul said, you're already forgiven. We're not encouraging people not to forgive. Forgiveness is not for God. Forgiveness is for you. You the one need to get untied up from them. God's not up there having a problem wringing his hands about it. He's already forgiven both of you. You're the one struggling. <laughs> well. So rightly dividing the word of God. So, But you can see how confusing the Bible can be? So you can read this verse. Jesus says one thing. You read Paul's verse. Totally different. They preach two different messages. Because Jesus was preaching the law to them that were under the law who thought that they could live by rules and regulations to somehow get righteous and please God. And we ain't got much better today. You go to any funeral, they'll tell you he was a good person. That's why he went to heaven. And they just lied. Good people don't go to heaven. And bad people don't go to hell. not about good and bad. That's, that's the moralistic grid that we've been fighting since Adam and Eve eat of the tree of moralistic grid, knowledge of good and evil. That's, that, that's all. That, and that most of the American church is still hung up with a mixture. We've got mixed drinks going on. We don't have the pure word of God. we got, we got some grace thrown in there, and then we got some law thrown in there just to kind of threaten them and keep them on their toes. And that's not God church really is profoundly afraid of the true undiluted grace of a loving God who will speak. See, when, and God didn't become a grace God in the New Testament. God has always been grace and he's always been the same and he's never changed. We're the ones that changed. He's not. But now we don't get the law till Moses comes, right? Moses, the lawgiver, with me? So anything you read prior to Moses, you get to watch in the Old Testament a God of grace and function. Now, folks start getting really in bad situations once the law gets here and they break it because they the one said they could keep it. God said the law is good if one today uses it lawfully, Paul said. How do you lawfully use the law today? By showing people that all of us, none of us, no one has ever kept nor could ever possibly keep the law. The only person who has ever kept the law was Christ Jesus. And then his keeping of it has been accredited, Paul said, to I our account. And so we have been declared that we have kept the law in full totality by the gift of his son Jesus who kept it. He fulfilled it. Right? 
Boy, some of y'all are looking at me like, what in the world is that guy talking about? So you get to see a God of grace in the Old Testament dealing with Old Testament people like Abraham, for example. Anybody remember this, this guy lying? You don't like the word, but it's really, there's no, I mean, it's a, you know, anyway. <laughs> I don't even want to use it. But he let his wife go to a harem with a foreign heathen king to save his own hide. And he said, she's not my wife, she's my sister. And he not, he only did, I mean, you know, what a man. What woman in here is looking for a guy like that? <laughs> He'll pimp you out to save his own hide. And he did it twice. He lied. Listen, you think God condones lying? God never rebuked him for lying. God never brought up the subject. God never said, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. What does God do when he confronts him? He keeps reminding him of his destiny and the covenant that he has with him. Because that will bring you right out of line when you start walking in the trueness of who God's called you to be. Here comes his son. Where did Isaac learn to lie? Watching daddy. I seen daddy when he got his butt in the crack. He would lie. So Isaac got into the same similar situation. And he told the same lie. That's not my wife. That's my sister. Because daddy taught him how to lie. And he lied in the same place in the same way that his daddy lied. And God never rebuked him. What did God do? Spoke to him about destiny and covenant. Now, each generation, if you keep that mess going on, it's going to get worse. And your kids are going to carry it further than you did because they watched you. Now, they, we want our kids to carry a lot of things further than we did. I was thinking about watching Justin, my oldest, play them drums. He's been playing drums in church since he was five years old, and that's not an exaggeration. That's the truth. And not because, oh, he's cute, let's let him play, because he was the best in the house. He was so little, you couldn't even see his head behind the crash cymbals. Visiting preachers would come sit on the platform, hear the drums playing, look over, couldn't even see who was playing, thought it was some kind of special machine we had up in our church. It's the truth, because all, all he could do is prop his little behind on the seat and try to hit the, you know, all that stuff. He just, but, you know, but he got that from me. He don't know it. <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid, I loved drums. We didn't have a lot of money for drums, apparently, <laughs> so I didn't have many sets. But I, I, I had drums, and I loved them, and I always thought I wanted to play the drums. And I remember around 11 or 12 years old, our family was actually having a little couple years of visitation in church. We were hanging around church for a little bit. And, um, and, and so this church we were attending, they let me bring, you know, they didn't have any drums in the church, and it was a church that had never had drums, never allowed drums. Very legalistic. But they allowed me to bring a, my snare drum a few times. And I'd carry my snare drum and a little stool, and I would, you know, beat the drum to the, to the choir singing. And that was just such a big deal, and it was in my heart. And I remember even as I got a teenager, I had got a whole set of drums. On the, my parents made me put it on the front porch of our house. They didn't want it in the house. I'm sure the neighbors loved that on that screen porch. But it, it was in me. And then when he came along, when he was big enough to drag pots out the, from under the, the cupboards, you know, he would, he would build him a drum set out of pots. And he's always beat on everything that you can beat on. 
dash of a car or what. I mean, just going to drum. Might well buy him something to drum on. And it just, he's carried it so much further. That's a good thing. But you can also hand things down to your kids that they care further than you want them to because you don't want them to even carry it. And you're not under no curse. You go in any Christian bookstore and you can buy you any book on how to break generational curses. And all that's just a waste of money and dumbness of religion. Because I actually read the Bible where there is now no longer any curse. But it sells a lot of books because you can just scare the heck out of people. And like you're still living under a curse. You're not under a curse because Jesus became a curse for you. And you're blessed of the Lord. Now you can be ignorant and not walk in that and enjoy the benefits of it, but you're blessed of the Lord. You're highly favored of God. You're chosen of the Lord. And if you knew that, you'd wake up differently every day. You'd smile more. You'd have more confidence in your job, in your life. Because some of you live, think, I'm under a curse. I think I'm cursed. I think I've committed. You, you're not under a curse. You're under the curse of religion. That's what I'm trying to get you free of. But you know, if you believe you're under a curse, guess how you'll live? Like you're under a curse. If you believe I hate your guts and don't want to see you, you'll avoid me. And, it, and, and that don't mean it's true, but that's how you'll live. See, because what you believe affects the decisions you make. Your behavior will never change until your belief system changes. And you have to begin to believe what God says, what God's word declares to you. Are you with me? And, and so Isaac lies, no doubt learned it from dad. Okay, who is Isaac's son that comes along? Jacob. Everybody remember this guy? His name means liar, deceiver. I mean, it gets worse. So we got, we, now time we get to the third generation, man, he's, on, he's like liar on steroids. His whole life is a lie. He's cheating, deceiving, thugging, mugging. I mean, he's doing it all. After years and years of God trying to remind him of his covenant, God comes to him one night. And God, Jesus himself appears to Jacob. Remember that? You remember that story in the Bible? And, and he wrestles with him. Now, Jacob was sick of himself. Anybody besides me ever been sick of yourself? <laughs> I have been sick of myself. I have been sick of Dale a few times. Jesus appears, puts his hands on him. Jacob says, I'm not going to turn you loose until you bless me. Now, this is old covenant now. This is before Jesus. But this is, this is the pre-incarnated Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. How do you know? Because he received worship. No angel will receive worship or honor, but the Lord will. And, he, and, and they wrestled until the breaking of day. And it's kind of a weird story, really, from a human aspect. But he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord, which is Christ. And, and, and he says, uh, Jesus says to him, let me go before the day breaks. In other words, it's almost, you're almost at your breakthrough. Now, why don't you turn me loose like you've done every other time? Some people grab hold and turn loose of God all the time. They in and out, revolving doors. And I don't mean that mean. I'm just saying, man, you got to have a heart like Jake. I'm not turning you loose this time. And we don't understand this. And he said, turn me loose. And I believe he's saying, won't you just let go of me like you've done every time. I've been trailing you for 19 years, and you, you always turn me loose when the pressure comes on. You always quit me. You always quit everything. Well, I mean, you know, 
I'm not going to let you go this time. I'm, and so he, he, he touches his hip, it says. Actually dislocates his hip. Now, I, I, you know, I don't understand all that necessarily. I was a paramedic for 20 years, so I've picked up people with dislocated joints. That's a rough thing, man. They were in a lot of pain. So Jacob now has a dislocated hip, and, he, and, and, and his, his hip is out of socket, and, and Jesus says, let go of me, and he said, I will not let you go. In other words, he's hurting, but he won't let go of God. Can you hold on to God? Now, God's going to hold on to you. But I'm saying, can you hold on to God when you're hurting? When you don't understand, when you're going through tough times, when you're going through difficult times, can you hold on to God and not blame God for your problems and just turn loose of him again? He said, I won't turn you loose. And, he, and, and, and so the Lord says, what's your name? He just wanted him to say it. He said, my name is Deceiver. God said, no, no more. Your name is Israel. Israel. That's where Israel come from. He said, for you are a man who has wrestled me and you have overcome. Overcome what? God? No, overcome yourself. You've overcome this life. And from that on, Israel was a different person. And he, 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 Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but he's Israel. And I love that. The Bible says that from that day forth, Israel walked with a limp. What's the symbolism? He walked differently after that encounter. Now, when you read these stories, I told you there's, there's words that just don't mean what we think. So repentance means think differently. The word confess, when a Christian hears the word confess, what is immediately comes to their mind? Sin. Confessing what? Sin. In Romans 10, and you've heard me say it a lot, I just want to hit it. Romans 10 is the chapter in the New Testament about how to get saved. Very clear. The word sin never appears in the whole chapter. You go to most churches, you ask them how to get saved, they're going to tell you, bow your head, close your eyes, and, and confess your sins. That's in churches, but it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Now, I don't know if you care what's in the Bible, and I've actually had people, believe it or not, have told me, I don't care what the Bible says. Can't help you much then. But the Bible tells a person how to get saved, and it doesn't mention sin because sin is not a problem with God anymore. It is with you, but God's forgiven the world of sin. He's taken away the sin of the world, not just the confessors. So God's not mad at anybody. God's not mad at anybody today. If they've never been to church and they're cursing him now, he's not angry at them. And he's not going to smite them. And he's not going to judge them. And he's not going to send Katrina to clean up New Orleans. And he's not going to send a storm or a hurricane. Or he's not going to flood people and drown a few. He's not going to do any of those lies that he gets blamed on. God don't do that. He is God the Father, not the Godfather. He don't mug, shoot, kill, break legs to make you serve him. That's not who he is. And he's never been that, but religion has told you that. And so as soon as the storm hits, here comes the preachers out the woodwork. God's judging New Orleans for all the nudie shops. How you know, preacher, there's nudie shops down there? <laughs> God ain't ju God's already judged the world. And he, and, and he poured that punishment and wrath out on his son who bore that for us. Him who knew no sin. 
became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And the Father knows it. And the price was paid in full and it was sufficient. But most of the church still thinks God's not that God. Preachers portray God as angry. God's not angry. He was angry in the Old Covenant. I grant that. I give it to you. But God himself said in Isaiah through the prophet, he said, I was angry with you for a moment. But God begins to prophesy through that prophet about a new covenant coming. And God said, when that new covenant comes, I will not be angry with you ever again, nor shall I ever remove my kindness from thee. That's your, that means favor. And that's who the God that we serve today. Does that mean God's all willy-nilly, got cool, don't care about sin? No, God don't want you to do it because it hurts you and it hurts people. Sin still has an awful price. But God's already paid the price for it. It's just, you know, dumb to do it. But we all sin. We all sin. But we're not sinners. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you ain't. That's not what the Bible says you are. You've got to start agreeing with God. God says you're a saint. Act like it. You're righteous. Act like it. You're holy. Act like it. Make holy decisions. You're righteous. Don't be a hypocrite. Live out of your trueness. Live out of what I made you in your spirit. Let that be your guy. Don't live like that. That's not who you are. Be true to yourself. Be true to who I made you. Live out of that revelation of what you are in your spirit, man. And then manifest more of it in the natural where we can see it. Because I can't see your spirit. I can see what you do. And I tell you, sometimes you born again. I mean, you are all kind of born again. But you act like the devil. You Bobby Boucher, that's the devil. <laughs> I mean, you, you, don't, if you don't know what it means, don't worry about it. I wasn't speaking in tongues right here. But. <laughs> I love that movie, man. Anyway, but, uh, you know, just don't live like that. So the word confess, confession, confession, Romans 10, he says, this is how you're saved. You, you believe it in your heart, because that's where real belief comes, not your head. You believe it in your heart. And then from your heart, it rises up to your head, and your mind gets renewed by what you believe in your heart. But confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made. What do you confess? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul said in that chapter, you believe that he died, that he rose again, and that now you say out of your mouth, he is my Lord. And he says, when you do that, you are saved. I've told you this, we go over to Romans, a lot of people need two proofs. You go over to Romans, we've got a Philippian jailer. Big thing happened there. He gets scared. He's, he's about to commit suicide. Paul said, don't do it. We're still in here. And so he, he sees the power of God and he says, what must I do to be saved? Notice what Paul did not do. The apostle Paul did not say, bow your head, close your eyes, say the sinner's prayer. Because there is no sinner's prayer. It's in churches, but it's not in the Bible. I just kind of like to stay with the Bible. I'm having enough trouble with the Bible, you know, just getting that down without you adding a bunch of other extra stuff on me. Okay, so what did Paul tell that guy to do to get saved? He never mentioned the word sin. Why don't we start doing what God says? Those people aren't saved when they did. Yeah, you, God's saving people in spite of our dumbness. I just don't want them to have that foundation that that's God's big deal. God's going to speak to them and call them out of that. 
How does he call them out of sin? By pointing out their sin. No, by pointing out their new identity in Christ and calling them up to that and they step away and out of that problem. So if you're having anxiety and worry, God's not going to talk to you about that. What is God going to do? He's going to, he's going to talk you into peace. Because he'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He's going to call you up to that. And when he calls you up to that, it, it, you leave behind that fear, that anxiety, that worry, that anxiousness. Do You see, that's how God operates, and you need to understand that. And, and so the word confess is the Greek word homo legos. Okay, homo, same kind. Right? Do I need to break it down for you? Okay, so homo legos, homo means same kind, legos means logos, the word of God. So the word confess means to agree, same kind, with the word of God. In other words, agree with what God says. That's how you're saved. You, you are coming into agreement with what God has said and what God has done. So now we've got chaos and darkness. The Holy Spirit is hovering. And God's not wanting you to say something because it's your words. God's wanting you to agree with his word that he's already said. God said, let there be light and light was. And then God saw the light. I'm asking you to see the light and declare that the light's good. And then it says an amazing thing. It says this, listen to me. It says, and God divided. He called the light day and he called the darkness night. And listen, and he divided the light from the darkness. God did that. Now listen to me, if you'll say what God says, by, and by saying it, you're coming into, a, you're confessing what God has already confessed. In other words, you're agreeing with God. You're putting, you, that's called, that's, you're putting faith in the work of God. Okay? So when you agree with God, let God will divide the light from the darkness. L let me say this. I, I feel like I'm supposed to say this. You're sitting here, you're, you're battling cancer, or somebody you love battling cancer. And a cancer is a cell that's gone rogue in the body, okay? And that cancerous cell doesn't care about the body as a whole, and it's devouring all the cells around it at the expense of those cells and eventually at the expense of the existence of the body. Cancer is a suicide thing. In other words, it kills its very self, right? And all I'm saying is I'm not, you don't have to deny that you got anything going on. But if you, will, if you will agree with God that by his stripes I was healed, then, then you're, you're coming in agreement not with what you want necessarily. I mean, you, sure you want it, but you're agreeing with what God's done. Either God, by his stripes you were healed, or by his stripes I hope to be healed someday. But see, you're looking into the future for your healing, and your future for healing is at the cross. It, your healing's in the past. It's not in your future. Now, some of you are looking forward to the day that God heals you. God's already healed and paid the price for healing 2,000 years ago. Just like 2,000 years ago, he paid the price for sin 2,000 years ago. So we're not, listen, we're not looking forward to the futuristic day when God will forgive me of what I've done. That's the wrong direction to look. We're looking back to the cross where God paid the price in full as Jesus on the, on the cross and, and we put our confidence, our trust, our faith in his payment. And then we confess that. 
and let God divide the cancerous cells from the healthy cells. Let God, God's the one. I didn't write it. God said in Proverbs that, that my word is health to thy navel and healing to all thy flesh. You know, I mean, you, you'll go to the doctor and take his prescription and you'll take it faithfully. And I take medicine. I mean, I ain't saying not take, but I'm telling you what, what if you just went to the word of God and said, that's my medicine and I'm going to take my medicine every day. I'm going to take the word of God. I'm going to put the word of God. God, you said your word is health to my navel and healing to my bones. I'm going to put the word of God in there. I'm going to stand on that. Sure, I'll take this other medicine because I ain't stupid, but I'm going to take the word of God. Your pill ain't going to stop God from healing you. I just don't feel like the Lord will heal me if I take my medicine. That shows a lack of faith. No, that shows a lack of dumbness and religion going on. Stop all that mess, man. God's word's more powerful than any pill or medicine or anything like that. You don't have to. Anyway. I don't even know why I do notes. <laughs> I'm just trying to say hope to you. God's right there. He hadn't left you. I don't care how chaotic, confusing, dark, bleak, hopeless it looks. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's right there hovering like a mother hen over her brood. And all God's wanting you to do is just agree with me. Come on, my kid. Just agree with me. And when you agree, that releases the power of God. God don't save you without your will involved. He wants everybody saved, but you got to agree with him. You did live. You did die on the cross. You were buried and you rose on the third day. I believe that in my heart. I don't understand it. I don't understand it in my head. I believe it in my heart, though. And that releases the power of new birth in you. And then what God does is God starts speaking because God's a speaking God. And so, and so God starts speaking to the, to the waters. So God speaks to the waters, and then the waters bring forth fish, all kind of things that swim, Right? This is not hard. Hang on. And then God speaks to the earth, to the dirt. And out of the dirt comes herbs and trees and, and things that grow in the ground. God speaks to the heavens and stars and celestial beings. All that comes. And, and so God starts speaking to things. Now listen to me. Your, your potential in your life is directly tied to your source. For example, if you take a fish out of water, the fish does not instantly die. Right? You can take a fish out of the water. You can lay him on the bank if you're fishing, and he is alive. And if within a proper amount of time, if you return him to his source, he will live and be fine. But while he's on that land, he's struggling. You've seen him move. What are they trying? They're trying to get back to their source. They're like, I can't breathe because <laughs> they can't. Pro they got to get into the water. That's their source, and they're trying to fight to get back. To their source because that's when they're fruitful they're multiplying they're replenishing they're enjoying their life i'm really not talking about fish are you with me but if you take a plant and you pull it out of the earth it does not instantly die and within a reasonable amount of time depending on the plant you return it to its source it will live and do fine and bear fruit now god does all of that and he's speaking then on the sixth day he speaks to himself he doesn't speak to the heavens. He doesn't speak to the waters. He doesn't speak to the, to the dirt. He speaks to himself. God says, let us make man in our image. And God stopped speaking. And he formed man. Formed him with his own hands. The reason that you're always gnawing about God and thinking about him and where is he and is he real is because you know he is because he's put his hands on you before. 
You will never get over that. Some of us, some people that are, you're living out of your source. And you're like the fish on the bank. Oh, you're still alive. You're struggling, man. And it's not because God's mad at you. It's because you left your source. God's your source. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not one of the guys that teaches when you sin, you're out of fellowship with God. You, I, you're not. That's a lie. The Bible never teaches that. You, you are out of enjoying that fellowship. And you did it to yourself. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be with you. And he's always there. Now, granted this, there are times that you don't hear God too, too much. Some of you right now in this room, you are in a, in a, in a, in a time, we'll say, or, where you haven't heard God, and that, that bothers you. And you wonder why he's not talking to you. I want to say to you that, that God stopped speaking and he started forming. Oh, I feel the Lord on this so strong. Feel that? Um, this is for somebody. I'm telling you that God's forming things in your life. You're not hearing him, but he hadn't left you. And he's, he's forming things with his own hand for your good. I promise you that. In Genesis, I think it's 28, there's a story about this guy, Jacob. And he goes to this place called Haran, which means a dry, desert, parched ground. And when he gets to this place, um, it, it says that he got to a certain place, verse 11, and he tarried there all night. And this is what he said, because the sun was set. Now, can you control the setting of the sun? Me and you? No. There are things in your life that you can't control. Like when the sun sets. You don't have no control over that. It's just going to set. And you know what's going to happen when the sun sets? It's going to get dark. And, and because the sun had set, the Bible says that he took stones from that place and he put them as his pillows and he lay down in that place to sleep. Now how many knows that a, that a stone doesn't make a really good pillow? It's not a good pillow. It's just hard to find a good pillow, really. My wife finally found us some that kind of worked with your curve of your neck or something. But now I can't hardly sleep on any other kind. But it's kind. Of, but he's got a, a a rock stone as his pillow. Now listen to me. I'm almost done. What does that symbolize? Listen. There's going to be times in your life where things are hard. Things are not normal. It's not normal to use a stone as a pillow. It's not normal not to be able to pay your bills. It's not normal not to be... A, it, there's a lot of things that go on in our life sometimes, and it's just not normal circumstances. And, and it's hard. It's hard. It's not comfortable. Besides being hard, it's dark. And besides that, the only reason I'm here is because the sun went down and I couldn't see to go nowhere else. Sometimes you're not in the job that you want to be in. It's just, you got to make a living. You got to put food on the table. It's not your career dream job. 
But it's, it's hard. And in that place, you can really think that God's like gone, man. And all he wants to do is just get some rest, and he wants to go to sleep. But while he's trying to sleep, the Bible says he dreamed. And he saw a stairway from the earth reaching all the way into the heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending up and down that. And then he, and he woke up from that dream, and, and he said, this is none other. This is an awesome place. This is none other than the gate of heaven. And he said, listen, and the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. I didn't even know it. Can I tell you that whatever place you're in, I pray right now that you would have the revelation that God is in that place, even though you may not know it. And I pray that you have the revelation of knowing that God's in that place that may be very hard, may be very dark right now. It may be very difficult. And it's not where you want to be. And it's not the position you want to be. And you're not in the financial place you want to be. And maybe you're not even geographically where you want to be. But can I tell you one fact that God's in that place? And my prayer for you is that you'll come into the revelation that God is in this place and I didn't even know it. And God's working in my life and I didn't even realize it. Because God promises you that he will never leave you. And if you find yourself in time, you're like, God, why don't you say something? Why don't you, why don't you speak to me? If God's not talking to you, it's called he's forming something. I love how the Bible does some of this stuff, man. It said that he formed the man. In one translation I was reading, said he fashioned the woman. And y'all been in fashion ever since. <laughs> I don't understand all that, but it actually is two different Hebrew words. He formed a man, and you know, and it also says he formed the beast of the field. So, ladies, that answers the problem you've been concerned about with us all these years. We are very animalistic. <laughs> but now when it comes to you, he fashioned you. And he brought you to man to see what he would call. And he just, you know, I think Adam, you know, God did all that with the animals. He brought, him to, he brought all that stuff to, to Adam, you know, to let him name it. God made it, and then he let Adam name it, you know. And he had the intuitive ability, I believe, gifted by God to speak to their nature. And what he called them, the Bible said, that's what they really was. In other words, Adam made 100 on the test. He didn't get it wrong. This is prior to sin. But I think he did get tired because, you know, I mean, when he first started, he's like platypus. <laughs> you got to be godlike to think of a name like platypus, you know, rhinoceros. But then as he goes along, he goes like blackbird, bluebird, redbird. <laughs> I mean, I think he was getting tired then, you know. But when the woman comes, he says, woman, whoa. Man, woman. And then he prophesies over her. He says, she is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And he said, behold, a man shall leave his mother and father. Adam ain't even got no mama. You know he's got to be prophesying on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because he's talking about something he ain't even got. He says, a man shall leave his father and mother. The man shall leave his father and mother. Could try to make them women leave their mother. I don't mean physically, geographically, but in their heart. They're just going to be. He said, a man shall leave his father and mother. And they shall be joined unto his wife. And the two shall be one flesh. And, 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 and it's such a, an amazing thing that God did in that. But he let Adam speak prophetically over her. 
God sees the light, and he calls the light good. And I'm asking you today, as I end this, would you please stop being a reporter of the negative? One thing that we need in this congregation, in any congregation, I believe, is, is certain cultural things, kingdom culture. And one of those cultures is that we're going to see like God sees, and we're going to call it like God calls it, and we're going to see the light, and we're going to speak to the light, and we're going to say the light's good. And we're not going to be just echoes of darkness. And so when people do things, we're not going to call them out on, on their sin. We're going to call them up to their new identity in Christ, which will deliver them of their sin. And, and, and help us to see each other in that light. Help us to see people that don't even come here now. Like, let's see the good. And let's speak the good. When you see chaos and darkness and confusion, maybe it's in a person. What are you going to say? Well, look at all that sin. No, that's not going to help them. Say, let there be light. You speak, speak, and, and then speak to the good. And, and God said, let there be light. And he said, the light's good. Call, focus on the good. Focus on what's good. Would you stand with me? Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Come on, give God praise. Ministry team, I know a lot of our, even our community group leaders, some of them are traveling today and stuff, but my elders and all, would you, would you come here? And we just want to give you an opportunity. Listen, I'll do one more thing, and I don't do this stuff very often. But I had this sense, and, and, and hey, if nobody comes, I just want you to come up. You can come up to me. You can come up to one of these uh, people that's going to pray with you. But, uh, you know, Crawford always likes this stuff because he's a prophet. <laughs> I know it. I, I had this, I believe it's of the Lord, and it's fine. I just don't want, I'm not going to leave nothing on the table if I think God's got anything to do with it. We see in part, New Testament says we prophesy in part. Uh, God's not going to give me the whole pictures on a lot of stuff, but he's going to give me a part, maybe just to touch your heart. But I believe there's somebody here uh, and you're really concerned about a, 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 a kid. There's a, I don't know what the age of the kid is. Uh, there's been a diagnosis of, of uh, something that's troubling or potential. There's something going on there that's really got you concerned. And I, I would love the privilege of praying for you and pray for that, that kid. Uh, it, it's just been a, a, you know, it's a really big deal for you. And, it, and, and, and by me saying that, I want you to know how big a deal it is to God. And, and he loves you uh, so much. And, uh, and we, we know, we're not trying to talk ourselves into some belief. We know that, that God is still Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that healeth thee. He, he is our God. And, 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 and he heals physically and just like he saves and delivers. And God's not changed. So you don't ever have to back off on asking him like they were saying up here, the signs and the wonders and the miracles of, of, of God. And, and so many of you today, uh, you know, you, you, have found, you have found yourself in a very hard place where you're not hearing God like you would like to hear him. But it's not because God's resisting you or angry with you. And, and if you find yourself in that place, I would love you just as an act of faith, not nothing to me. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, it matters to you. It matters to God.
What's important to you is important to God. But if, 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 if what we've said today really have been pointed and, and pointed to you and, and, and touched your heart in a special way, you know that was like this was like made for you today. You came on the right day. I mean, could, could you just come up here and just stand up here and let us have the privilege of praying with you? Would you do that now? Come on. Just come on. Don't worry about who's coming or who, who's going to be the first to break the ice. Just come on. And we would love that. We would love to pray with you. Come on. That's right. God bless these precious people. Just come on. And there's just no telling what the Lord will do. And I, I kept feeling, even when Demisha was encouraging us today, Demisha, I want you to come help me pray, darling. Come, come help us pray. Boy, you can feel the Lord. There's so many very important situations. Amen. Hey, you can come for any reason. This is not a forbidden the rest of you. If you want to come, you, you come on. But I just wanted to call these guys first. And just, we, we just want to minister God's love. Jill, baby, come help me. Just come pray. I want me, Ma, come help us pray, darling. Come, come help me. I, I, don't want, I want everybody covered and have somebody praying with them. And uh, we love you so much, man. We, we love you guys. Amen. Brother Gene, could I get you maybe to come pray with these men right here, Brother Gene? These two guys here. I just want people covered. Everybody's got somebody praying for them. Amen. Church, would you just kind of, let's just show the love of God towards these and just stretch. We don't know what's going on in their life, but we know something is. Stretch your hand toward them. Father, we just pray for every person that came today. And whatever it is, we know you're with them. You're hovering over the chaos and the confusion and the darkness. And you're with them even in the hard places and the dark places in their life. And, Lord, those pillows that are stone will become pillars in their heart and in their life. And they'll become strong places, Lord, that, will, that they can build things on through the revelation of your love for them in this time. We praise you for that. We praise you for that. Yes, Jesus. Just hang with us just a minute, church, and I'll dismiss you just a minute. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that we're loved by you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. I, and I, I feel like somebody, there's like a, you know, maybe there's a real marriage situation, divorce or something, and uh, that, you know, you're really concerned about that kid in that thing. That's you, isn't it? C come back. The Lord's just giving me a little more as I stand here. See, you're going to get, it, it's not over. And you're going to get to see your kid. And God's going to restore. God's going to restore and there's things that's blocked that and, and, and really tried to paint you a bleak picture that that'll never happen again. And you're done and you're toast, right? Yeah. But that's all lies, okay? 
Because you're God. He's concerned about you today. And I saw that being such a burden on you for those children. And it's more than one. Huh? Oh, four. Yeah. God's going to restore. You believe that? Okay. Father, I thank you for restoring this mom with these kids. God, everything that's broken, destroyed by the enemy, God, you're a God that restores. You put, thing, you put things back together better than they were before. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the peace that comes on her today. Knowing, God, that you have heard her prayer. You've seen what's going on. And, God, you're the one that's going to divide the light from the darkness, the truth from the lies. You're the one. We agree with you for her blessed, blessed life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Y'all give God praise for that, man. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. Boy, Demetri was so right today. God's up to some wonderful stuff. Everybody okay? All right. We love you, Grace Point. You're dismissed. Go enjoy this beautiful day. We're hanging around up here if you want us, want to talk to us, we need prayer. God bless you.